Hey, welcome to The Briefing. In this episode, why 2022 has been a really bad year for billionaires. There's been some spectacular losses. Elon Musk is the sort of main candidate here. His wealth's down $135 billion since the start of the year to $280 billion. Jeff Bezos is down $120 billion to $175 billion. And uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page are both down around $60 billion to $127 billion. So why is this happening? And will it get even worse? That is our briefing, the bad year for billionaires in the second half of the podcast. First, today's headlines with Rhonda Patrick. It is Thursday, the 10th of November. The amount of money hackers were asking in the Medibank attack has been revealed this morning. 10 million US dollars with a discount offered of $1 per person. Do you remember in September, the Optus hackers only wanted $1 million, $1 million. So $10 million is a lot more substantial. But either way, they haven't been paid the money. So they followed through with their threat and they've released the data, the sensitive data, by the ransom deadline. This is really tough for people. I'm, I'm a Medibank private customer as well. Yeah, PM Anthony Albanese there. And so this data released includes 100 people who have been treated for drug issues, some with well-known surnames, and they've also released a file titled Abortions. Wow, this is horrible. And, and I guess this is what's particularly bad about this hack of a health insurer, that it includes all this really personal medical information, like, as you just said, abortions, also people getting drug treatment, Um, There could even be people with conditions like HIV, which are are really sensitive and and private pieces of information. Yeah, and information linked to 5 million people, including 350,000 international students, have had names, addresses, phone numbers leaked to the dark web. And hackers have threatened more data will be posted with 10 million customers' data compromised. Aren't they just ridiculously huge numbers of people affected by these hacks? Yeah, and from everything that I've gathered from just even looking on social media at customers, a lot haven't even been told if their details have been compromised yet. So it's this waiting game as... This information apparently is hitting the dark web, which makes me wonder how many customers will stay with Medibank after this incident. And in the US midterms, the Republicans have fallen well short of the red wave they were hoping for. As we record these headlines, both houses of Congress are still too close to call. Yeah, the Senate is coming down to three key races, Nevada, Arizona and Georgia, while Democrats and Republicans are still hanging on to hopes of winning a narrow majority in the House. Yeah, both sides um, thinking they can still win there. So these results are bad news for Donald Trump. The candidates he endorsed have had very mixed results and his main rival for the potential presidential candidacy of the Republican Party has done very well. That's Ron DeSantis. Um, He was resoundingly re-elected as the governor of Florida, which is where he might launch his bid for the 2024 presidential campaign. Yeah, and Donald Trump appeared subdued in his election watch party, calling it an interesting evening. So it makes you wonder what his announcement on Tuesday will entail. Yeah, and I wonder whether this was the idea that he made the announcement about his future announcement on Tuesday, but he wanted to see how the midterms went first before actually stepping out and making that announcement. 
The other interesting thing here, Rihanna, we did an episode with Chaz Licadello on Tuesday talking about the midterms, and he raised a real interesting concern uh, that Republicans running for Secretary of State positions in several states were hoping to get in and then change election rules in what he said was an undemocratic way. So the three states he said to look out for were Arizona, Nevada and Wisconsin. So looking at the results for the secretaries of states in those um, three states, it's very confusing, but these are local state-based positions. Um, In Arizona, the Democrat candidate is ahead. Nevada, the red candidate ahead, but still too close to call. And in Wisconsin, uh, the two candidates are evenly poised. So basically even across the board there on the three states that Chaz Licadello was concerned about. Russia has made one of its most significant retreats since the start of the war in the Ukraine. Troops have withdrawn from the southern city of Kherson. It's the only regional capital to be captured by Russia since the invasion began in February. Yeah, so Russia's overall commander of the war says keeping forces there is futile because it's not possible to keep up supplies. Now, the Ukraine officials are sceptical of the statement, with one senior advisor saying there's no signs Russia is leaving the city without a fight. But if this is true, that they are retreating from Kurzon, this is a major turning point in this conflict. This has been uh, a battle that's been brewing for weeks now. Russia failed to capture so many other cities, but they had hung on to this really important uh, southern city. But it looks like they're being beaten as we head into winter. First Twitter and now Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Meta, is laying off 13% of his workforce, so about 11,000 people. Wow, that is a huge layoff. So Zuckerberg has issued a letter saying he was expecting the company to continue growing rapidly after the pandemic, but he's admitted, unfortunately, this did not play out the way I expected. Yeah, post-lockdown revenue for the big social media companies has been hit hard. Meta posted its first quarterly revenue decline in history this winter, followed by another bigger decline in spring. Yeah, and this comes after Twitter laid off about half of its employees when Elon Musk took over last week. So massive layoffs at these social media companies. King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla have had eggs thrown at them. The royal couple were being welcomed to York by city leaders and a protester who threw three eggs at them, all of them missed. Oh, God, that's hopeless. So (laughs) the man booed the royals as he threw the eggs. Uh, He shouted, this country was built on the blood of slaves and not my king. Uh, The 23-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of a public order offence. Wow. If you're going to do it, you do it right, don't you? Yeah, three, that's not a very good target rate, is it? <laughs> Zero out of three. Maybe you threw them all at once and they kind of splayed out, you know, like a shotgun and, and missed the target. Mm, exactly. All right, Rihanna, we'll catch you again tomorrow. Katrina's about to join me as we take a look at the fortunes or I guess mixed fortunes of some of our billionaires. All right, now to our briefing topic on why 2022 has been such a bad year for billionaires. And I know you're feeling a lot of empathy for those poor billionaires, (laughs) Katrina Blouse. 
Well, this is the thing. I guess we look at really, really rich people and especially at the moment when so many of us are struggling with, you know, a huge hit to petrol prices, electricity prices, everything just seems to be going crazy. We look at people who got really rich during a time when most of us were struggling, the pandemic, and especially people in Victoria who were really isolated And I guess that's why we don't feel that sorry for them. It was such a weird experience to go through the pandemic and see Australia's and the world's richest people just make extraordinary amounts of money, uh, mostly as the values of their companies surge. But that's all changed, which is what we're talking about today. So let's get right into it with AFR, the Australian Financial Review columnist, James Thompson. He's been following this roller coaster very closely. James, thanks for joining us. I think to understand why 2022 has been a bad year for billionaires, we need to understand why the pandemic years of 2020 and 2021 were amazing years for billionaires. So can you explain the extraordinary wealth gains that happened during the pandemic? Well, really, this was about uh, low interest rates and big stimulus payments. So in order to sort of nurse economies through the pandemic, most governments, including in Australia and uh, in the US, dropped interest rates very low to make sure everybody's debt was affordable. And then they flooded their economies with stimulus payments of various sorts. So the impact of that money was to basically put a lot of money in everybody's pockets and bank accounts. So some of that went into spending on goods and that we got those supply chain disruptions, but a lot of it went into the stock market. Now, low interest rates, they help stocks, particularly high-valued stocks, because A stock price is basically a reflection of the value of the future cash flows of that company. And then you discount it by the interest rate that prevails at the time. So the lower the interest rate, the higher the stock price can be. And so when interest rates went to emergency levels, I mean, you'll remember we had interest rates at zero or below in a lot of parts of the world, then stock prices, they took off. And people particularly flooded into these big tech stocks. So stocks like Amazon, of course, when we're all stuck at home shopping on the couch, they naturally had an an earnings boost. So that helped them. But a lot of this was just trying to pick the next big thing. Yeah, it certainly was a unique set of circumstances. So I reckon we should now split out America and Australia. Uh, Let's begin with the US. Which Americans did particularly well in these conditions? I think the big one that we all sort of know is Elon Musk, who at that stage only was sort of confining himself to Tesla and SpaceX, his, his sort of two main businesses. He wasn't involved in Twitter at that stage, and so he was much richer because he mm. didn't spend a lot of money or waste a lot of money uh, trying to buy that thing. So he was a big beneficiary. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, was a big beneficiary. Larry Page and Sergey Brin, who founded Google, which is now called Alphabet, they did very well because a lot of people, like companies were – advertising online, so their revenues and profits went up. And Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, similarly, uh, did very well, again, because we're all online, we're all stuck at home, and so companies were mainly advertising online, and online advertising helps Facebook a lot. So when you say they did well, how well? I think in November 2021, which is around the peak, Musk was the world's richest man. He was worth about... $500 billion at that stage. 
they're Australian dollars. And, and, you know, since then, his wealth has come back considerably. He's still the richest man in the world, still very comfortably off with somewhere around $280 million Australian, but a billion dollars Australian. But yeah, that, that November 21 moment was the peak and all of these guys have come back very hard since. Okay, so those are the Americans. What about the Australians who did well up until the peak? Who really sort of surged ahead? It was Australian entrepreneurs in similar industries that did the best. So if you think of Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar, the founders of Atlassian, their business went from being worth about $50 billion US at the start of the pandemic to $135 billion US at that November 2021 peak. A business called Canva, which is mm. run by, uh, founded by three Australians, they went from having a valuation of about $5 billion to at the peak being worth $40 billion US. Our traditional uh, billionaires did well too. Gina Reinhart, Andrew Forrest, as iron ore prices really went through the roof, particularly in that late 2020, early 2021 phase, they did particularly well. They'd be the the, the big names I, I'd call out. A combination of... Australian tech billionaires and then our sort of traditional mining billionaires. All right. I guess we should start to look at where it all started to go pear-shaped for these poor, wretched individuals. <laughs> I guess when you look at the the price charts um, of a few key international markets, they were really peaking, as you said, in mid to late 2021. And then they started to go south. And I guess when you look at the US tech index, the NASDAQ and resources, including iron ore, it's a similar picture there. Was that a general trend? And if so, what happened? Yeah, well, the thing that helped them on the way up started to hurt them on the way down. That's interest rates. So as interest rates started to rise, those future cash flows of these tech companies started to not look as exciting anymore. And so we've seen the tech companies come back really quite hard. I mean, Facebook is now down about seven or Facebook is called Meta now. It's now down about 70% since the start of the year. And that just reflects the very sharp rise in interest rates in the US. So interest rates in the US have gone from 0% in March to 3.75% today, and they'll probably continue towards 5% over the next few months. So that just makes those future profits from those tech companies look unattractive. And then you've got the second order effect. So as the economies reopen, people are spending less time at home, less time on their computers, less time looking at digital advertising on Facebook. And then as the economy slows and demand slows, the amount of advertising again is hit on, a, on, on these online platforms. So the sort of cumulative effect of that really starts to hit the tech businesses. And there's been some spectacular losses. I mean, uh, Elon Musk is the sort of main candidate here. His wealth's down $135 billion since the start of the year to $280 billion. Uh, Jeff Bezos is down $120 billion to $175 billion. And uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, as I mentioned, are both down around $60 billion to $127 billion. But it's not just them. I mean, a name probably not hugely familiar to us, but Bernard Arnault is the second richest man in the world. He owns uh, lots of- Very um, familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> lot, yeah, there you okay. go. Lots of 
Lots of shares in uh, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, which is the big French luxury brands company. And again, as inflation rises, and particularly as China's been locked down and luxury goods spending there has fallen off, his wealth's down about $53 billion to $220 billion. So these are big losses. And of course, you know, how sorry do we feel for these people sitting on their piles? Not very. Okay, so tell us a story for the Australian billionaires who've done it tough. Let's yep. talk first about the Atlassian duo, Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar. When your newspaper, the AFR, put out the rich list in April, they were around $26, 27000000000 billion in net worth each. How yes. far have they come off now? Well, uh, they had a shocker. Look, they're down by about $14 billion each. Whoa. Which is a pretty hefty hit. They're now sort of around $20 billion, uh, a bit under there. We don't know with uh, the Canva trio uh, led by Melanie Perkins because it's a private company, mm. the valuations are harder to see. But the the latest valuation of Canva, we've seen it fall from $40 billion US to around $25 billion US. So there's a fall of around 40% for you there. Reinhardt and Forrest have been more modest. So uh, Forrest has the, the share price of Fortescue has fallen. He's down about four and a half billion dollars, still around 26, 27 billion. And Gina's at a similar amount, but again, private company there. So the wealth doesn't fall quite as fast. So a lot of these people live and die by the share price or the value, if it's private, of, of their companies. But I guess the question is, how much do they cash out along the way? When these companies have been riding high, have a lot of these people taken money out of the company and transferred it into their personal wealth, you know, buying property or other assets? To a certain extent. I mean, I, mean, I think most of them have kept the bulk of their holdings, I would say. Musk is a little bit different. He has sold an amount of shares to help pay for this Twitter transaction. Mm. Cannon Brooks and Farquhar do tend to sell a bit of stock in a sort of programmatic way that they sell consistently through the year to reduce their holdings. And, you know, they've most notably diversified into Sydney property, uh, which has been a relatively good store of wealth over the years, um, starting to come off a bit now. Uh, so, yeah. They take a little bit off the table, but the bulk of their wealth remains tied up in these companies. Um, and that's partly to ensure that, you know, investors stay confident. If yeah. you see the founder selling out, that's usually a sign that, hang on, should I get out as well? So is the only way down for these people because it was such a unique set of circumstances during the pandemic where they were able to acquire so much wealth so quickly can we ever expect that to happen again? Oh, look, I think we're moving into a bit of a different world. Um, interest rate settings and inflation settings are very different today than they were, you know, a year and a half ago. And I think it's difficult to see inflation disappearing fast and it's difficult to see interest rates going back to 0%. So what we've got now is a sort of changed attitude towards these tech companies particularly. Two years ago, it was show us growth. Don't worry about making money. Just grow this business as fast as we can. The profits will come later. That That's switched right around now. Now investors want to see these companies actually grow and actually deliver sustainable profit growth. And for some of them, that's very difficult. They are geared up to grow. And so we've seen a lot of tech layoffs 
particularly in the US, as they try and reduce their costs and make themselves more profitable. I think that trend is here to stay. I think everybody realises that investors got silly in 2020 and 2021. If you cast your mind forward to 18 months from now, you know, we could have the US in recession, potentially quite a deep recession, and Australia in recession. What will be the antidote that's sent from central banks and governments? It'll be cut interest rates and flood economies with stimulus. So now, can they afford to do that? That's another question. But you can see that there's the potential for the conditions we had in 2020 and 2021 to come back in a small way. But I don't think we'll get that full-blown mania. That was one out of the box. That was James Thompson, who's a columnist for the Australian Financial Review. I guess the other thing to think about here, Katrina, is the employees, right? So yeah, we're we're talking about the wealth of these individuals at the top, but often when these valuations go down, it means workers get cut. And we only have to look at what has happened over the last week with Elon Musk sacking the majority of Twitter because he said that he can't afford to keep everyone on. And that's really the flow-on effect here. It probably doesn't affect the individual billionaires too much. I mean, Elon Musk is still the world's richest man, so he can afford to lose some money down the back of the couch. But what it does impact is the businesses that they run. Yeah, it would be a weird experience, though, for the billionaires. So you look at the Atlassian founders who've been on a wild journey of growth, And with that comes a lot of notoriety, a lot of media attention, a lot of scrutiny, um, a lot Mm. of changes to your life. And then it starts coming back very quickly as well. I know that Mike Cannon-Brooks responding to this this whole story has said that, look, I'm trying to look to the long term, build a company that goes way beyond even my lifetime. So that's where I'm focused, which is probably the right way to be looking. But yeah, strange journey. And we've got a cracker of an interview tomorrow for you on The Briefing. We're speaking to comedian Will Anderson. And you wouldn't believe where he wrote out the pandemic. Mullumbimby, the anti-vax capital of Australia. So some very interesting interactions that he had during that time, which he'll be sharing with us in tomorrow's episode of The Briefing. I'll speak to you then. Listener.